itself. I hope you guys enjoy. Oh, God. Welcome back, guys. This is your host, Alex, and this is Alex's Firearms Digest, Episode 3, Volume 3, Season 1. I trained this way just for you. What can I say about that uh, intro? I mean, kind of creepy. But money's getting tight around here. Inflation's through the roof. Highest point ever in a long time. And quite frankly, being a medical worker is not really worth it because my job says fuck you all the time. What can I say? I gotta pay bills, right? So I gotta stick around, unfortunately. Thankfully, I don't have children, just dogs. So, a lot has happened, right? I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Um, hopefully, no one got in a fight. No one got. No one went to jail, and no one brought up old things, right? Because you know we're not trying to live in the past. We're trying to live in the present, while worrying about the future. So, Redden House, that was intense, super intense. Mega intense. But, honestly, in the wake of his trial, we, as the Second Amendment community, have won a major victory when it comes to the discussion of self-defense. But, as mentioned before, I'm not going to get too political on this podcast, um, just because I want to, and I don't want people later on trying to make me, like, a target for some bullshit. The only thing I really got to say is that I give you, and I'm speaking to Rittenhouse, I doubt he will ever hear this message, but I give you credit for the way you handled your firearm. And obviously you train, you know, to everyone listening, there's training behind the handling of this firearm. And many of you guys might ask, why are you giving him props? Well. Any person who does not train adequately with their firearm, or any person who didn't train adequately with their firearm and found themselves in that situation, obviously would have just been shooting erratically and you wouldn't have hit, you know, your intended targets. Pretty sure a lot of innocent innocent civilians would have been killed, you know? And he hit the intended targets, which obviously were people that were trying to cause great bodily injury or harm and possibly kill him and this event and many like them reinforce that training is the most important thing to a user the way you will train and you train determine how you will react to a situation that's why with the men that I've had the pleasure to train with and continue to train with I will I will always appreciate them for these lessons that I can pass on to you, my listeners, and to anybody else that interacts with me. So, let's get this episode started. You guys already know the topic. It's training. Um, The one thing about your training is there has to be a purpose. And I don't want you to be an idiot right now thinking that your skills are the greatest, you're the cream of the crop. Seriously, don't be that individual. There has to be a purpose why all this is being done. What is the purpose that you're sitting here listening to this podcast? Why are you at the range standing before that paper target, standing in front of your mirror, waiting for that timer to go off so you can draw that gun out of concealment? There's a purpose for all the effort 
and time that you as a user and users are investing into it. And I can't tell them or tell you what it is. But believe me, I can safely assume it is in order to be taking a life, if need be, in order to save yours, another, or others. Only you know what it is. And that purpose is also what has driven you here. It's going to drive you there. And it's going to take you everywhere in your pursuit to adapt and improve as a firearm user. Now, that doesn't go without saying that you should be careful when it comes to instructors. Right? As I stated before in previous articles, I've trained with combat experience guys. Or I should say as I stated in previous podcast episodes, I've trained with some very combat experienced guys, right? Their training is a direct reflection on how I approach my targets or how would I approach a situation if it was to arise. And within all those training sessions, every movement and decision that is made to neutralize or disable a threat, I was actually explained the why. And I also understood the why behind it. And this is very easy to compare between the men I train with and those instructors who are NRA certified. And right now I'm throwing quotes, air quotes around NRA, right? Or those that have very or no combat experience, right? Very limited or no combat experience. And I can break it down simply into the fact that professionals talk about logistics, why things are moving, how they're moving, why the whole operation had to go this certain way, their experiences play the most important role in putting out the information that for us as learners or students, we are able to take in. An amateur or someone who's not experienced in their supposed craft, I'm going to throw air quotations around craft as well, will only talk tactics and will not be able to tell me the why. So if any of you come across such individuals, move along, stop wasting your time and money on them right so when shopping for courses always make the effort to get them vetted by the community whether you guys believe it or not the community is very small and it's very easy to get some reviews personal example is back in circa 2009 during the transformation of this tactical gear bearing individual that I am now I attended a class on CQB there were two instructors course obviously a main instructor and the assistant the class wasn't that big I mean we were probably close to I don't know probably like 50 students in total well this class was complete garbage uh, because we were shooting on a flat range right we didn't have a shoot house like I said we didn't have a shoot house and we were on a flat range Uh, we didn't have any type of building structures at all for us to actually implement a CQB situation based on the information that was being delivered to us right I, I can say that while some students were doing things wrong they were corrected but for the majority of us it really felt like we were just being barked orders rather than being explained why we're making movements especially against an invisible wall that wasn't even drawn on the dirt. 
a few weeks later, I was messaged on social media by someone interested in taking the same course from the same instructor. And sadly, I, I told him to look elsewhere. Because the fact that I spent $500 on this course, which was including ammo, food, and lodging, it definitely wasn't worth my time. And the course itself wasn't worth it at all. I didn't really take anything from it. Um, the only thing that I was reinforced on was that corners suck. And that was something that I was looking to improve myself on. And yeah. Um, also the fact that CQB is a lot harder to master when you're not being oriented correctly. And I didn't feel like I was engaged. If even remotely possible. Uh, so find a quality instructor. You can say this will fall under the purpose of your training. You know, like I was stating, there has to be a purpose. So for example, I always wanted to learn high threat CQB. I want to learn uh, raids. Because if I learn how to raid a house, I can learn how to prevent a raid. Or not a raid, right? Because I'm a big guy on blue lives. I would never turn my back on law enforcement. Unless it became tyrannical. You know, let's face it, all of us would. As we should. But if there was a home invasion in my house, I wouldn't know how to repel it. And that was always a big thing. So... I looked for instructors that focused on that. Uh, thankfully, once again, the gentlemen that I train with, they're all trained in CQB. They're trained in shooting out of cars, which is also a big thing now, especially in California, with all the new laws that allow criminals to do as they wish, right? We're not going to paint it like, oh, no, it's actually saving us more money for the Democratic Party and their stupidity. No, it's actually... What it's happening is that we are now making county jails, mental wards, and we're letting the crooks for petty crimes, quote-unquote, go on to the world and continue their mess, right? And sometimes those things escalate because now they're using guns, they're using body armor, you know, they're working in packs. It's ridiculous. So, you know, I, of course now I've learned, I'm learning how to shoot out of cars. I'm learning to shoot in a moving car. And it's all things that are like, fuck, what are you training for? Like, what are you going to be like, secret undercover special forces, Sicario? And it's like, no, dude, I'm just learning how to defend myself in the goddamn state of California. Um, but yeah, if you do find an instructor, three things that I always now do as a criteria to see if they're even worth my time. It's more like, what was his training? Who trained him? And what was his purpose? right like honestly I do not want to get trained by a guy that was a marksman because I'm not interested in shooting long range I live in suburbia I live near urban dwellings like urban cities my more benef my most beneficial skill once again CQB high threat CQB shooting out of cars and raiding areas right because that's what I'm going to be doing. In any urban environment, you're going to be door-to-door -door fighting. Of course, it's really rare when you get up and, and you have a sniper shooting at you from, like, I don't know, a skyscraper, right? Like, say, the U.S. Bank building in Los Angeles, right? Someone's shooting you from there. Uh, in reality, all you need is just to fucking bring down the building, which, you know, you can fire, I don't know, 
if bad shit happened, I am assuming that explosives would be readily available or readily accessible in a whole extreme civil unrest scenario. But yeah. Um, no. And also, there's a lot of people out there that are trying to train new shooters where the instructor has been out of the game for more than five years. Or more, right? So it's like saying someone that was special forces for 20 years got out of the service and then 10 years later they decided to become firearms instructor and they decided to teach high threat CQB. Well, all those previously learned tactics have changed drastically in the last five years prior to this instructor becoming a quote-unquote instructor. So please get them vetted. Also, if you find those Instagram famous instructors, find people that attended the course and DM them uh, asking for a review. You might be surprised how many of their courses are also a waste of time and not really worth your money. One thing to know, I am not saying that your instructor who is teaching you basic pistol or rifle skills isn't a great choice, but when it comes to more advanced skills or theoretical skills, make sure they're actually within the parameter of five years or less since they left the service. Furthermore, just because someone was in the service or was in law enforcement, it does not mean that they should be doing firearms training, and this comes down to distinguishing coaches between players. Um, if an instructor is incredible at shooting, they might not be so great at teaching and explaining the skills. And unfortunately, that's the side of reality. You know, and it's something that all of us as gun owners have to face at some point. All right, guys, hang tight. Word from our sponsors. And welcome back, guys. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the word from our sponsors, which is still nobody. And that's okay. You know, I'm not going to get all bent on it or bent out of shape. So, fun fact to all our listeners for this current episode, I actually had to take a break um, for that podcast uh sponsored break uh, because my wife came in and informed me that my Ray-Bans were actually missing and I usually don't get pissed off about the fact that I'm missing something but these Ray-Bans they were the they were a gift from my wife back in our dating time and it was like our first gift as a couple you know so of course those pair of sunglasses which I've cared for a lot uh, they had a lot of sentimental value to them you know and I got kind of upset and I had to take a break because if I didn't I would be back here with you guys and I'd be swearing up and down and nobody wants to hear that right especially children at home I, I have some listeners that are having their kids listen to this podcast and you know if there's kids leaving that it's appropriate for me to be cussing up a storm you know I'm pretty sure their parents don't or they might I don't know I don't live with them but if they don't I wouldn't want them to hear me that way you know uh but yeah so to whoever saw my Ray-Bans from I'm pretty sure it was a family member um if you are listening to this episode and you're listening to my podcast uh, kids, cover your ears. 
fuck you. I hope you enjoy those glasses. I hope they break on you. And I wish you nothing but misfortune for the rest of your life. You pathetic piece of shit. All right, kids. You can take off your earmuffs now. Your mom and dad, you can take off your earmuffs. Uh, but yeah, so I'm back. I'm, I'm more calm. It's been a few days. And we're back on to straight on track onto the topic of still regarding training. So as I said, it was a sad reality and it's a sad reality that some of these Instagram famous instructors should not be, or just instructors in general should not be instructors just because they do a lot better shooting rather than teaching a skill. Um, and I'm not saying for all of you guys out there that are learning you know your basic rifle class or your basic pistol class the instructor is garbage I'm not saying that I'm just saying that if you're going and I'll reiterate if you're going more into hypothetical or high something that requires more of a specialized trainer or instructor be weary of those instructors and make sure you get them vetted make sure you get some honest reviews from people that have actually taken their classes you know, you'd be surprised how you would save yourself some money. As I helped some people save money with in regards to those I wanted to take that cheap ass uh, CQB course. And I'm sorry, the dogs are in here. So joining us today is Arius and uh, and Pompey, which is a nickname we gave our dog because she's a little, little princess. But yeah. So they're in here. If you hear some noise in the background, it's possibly them or my wife, one or the other. Um, but yeah. So let's continue on to our next topic, which is going to be about your stance. So in regards to shooting, you have to have the proper stance, right? Because you have to be able to management. You have to be able to manage your recoil, and you have to handle your weapon effectively. This it goes without saying, right? In any type of fighting whether it be boxing, whether it be fencing or kendo, you know, or yeah, as you're doing with those kendo sticks and samurai sword fighting, you need to have a proper stance to it, right? It's all choreographed. Same thing goes with your shooting. You want to be able to absorb that recoil and handle your weapon at the same time while you're driving it to the target. You're driving your accuracy and your aim at the target and you're firing rounds down range. And everyone shoots in the stance that they're really comfortable with, right? Or in most cases, I'm only saying this because I've been recently training a few buddies of mine that recently got into firearms. Um, they use stances that they constantly see being portrayed in movies, video games, or tactical social media videos, right? Or TAF. If you guys don't know what TAF means, you guys are only, this is your first episode, tune into volume one. It'll give you the abbreviation of TAF right T-A-F and it's an acronym but yeah um, the issue with certain stances that people commonly use or those that are, have been made popular on shows and television and you know those outlets that I mentioned just a few seconds ago is that they're outdated and they're no longer used by the military because they do not work um, so in short your stance should be something that is more modernized and effective than rather fitting your comfortability or attempting to fit the portrayal of some actor or video game character. Um, the only reason that I'm saying is because 
some of you are going to say, well, don't you have to shoot comfortably? Yes, but you have to fit your stance to become your comfort. You get what I'm saying? It's like you're not going to you're not going to shoot all in like a lunging position because you think that's what some guy on SEAL team or on six or LA SWAT did that. You get what I'm saying? You're not going to shoot that way. It doesn't really make sense. And I can go forward and let's go. Let me go further into this and elaborate. The fact that if you shoot in a retarded stance, your opponent can easily throw you off, right? And that's what we don't want. We want a stance that gives us the power to drive that firearm forward, maintain grip, maintain recoil management and weapon handling, of course, i.e. grip, and you want to be driving those rounds downrange into your target effectively. Now, for some weird example or for some weird reason, one of these assholes comes out of the side and bumps you, you don't want to be thrown off your feet and possibly lose grip, have your firearm taken from you, and then getting the life beaten out of you, and then possibly killed with your own firearm. So that's why I'm saying you have to have a stance, the proper stance that ensures your power, meaning your footing is planted onto that ground as firmly as possible, and it's like pretty much like two iron structures that won't be moved. If anybody was to bump you, you would not move. Maybe you'll like nudge a little bit, but it's not going to throw you off balance, make you lose accuracy, grip, and of course, you know, your balance. That goes without saying. And one stance that I will pick on is this retarded isolate uh, stance where the shooter is like in a hardcore modified version of an isosceles or isosceles whatever no i'm not really pronouncing things right correctly excuse me i'm not having a stroke i promise um but you turtle in your neck all the way into like your chest or your chin is touching your chest at this point if it was me i'm like touching my plates with my chin which is kind of stupid because if someone wants to come up and shove me and hits my plate carrier those plates are going to drive into my throat not only have i lost my balance not only have i lost my grip but now i'm losing my air because i got nudged 16 or 8 pound plates into my you know adam's apple and then they have their shoulders all the way up you know like if i don't know it's kind of retarded but their elbows are like sticking out or somewhat sticking out usually your shooting arm your trigger finger arm is sticking out like you know Rather than making yourself as thin as you can and as tight as you can, you stick out your both arms in a way your grip, your foregrip is like sticking towards or your power arm is like sticking out to grip, you know, to secure your power grip. That support hand is like somewhat sticking out. And for some fucking reason, I'm sorry once again, you're sort of sitting down. Like if you're waiting to finish sitting down, like you're in that complete transition where you're going from a complete straight standing point down to like an, as if you're about to take a seat and your legs are leveled with each other your knees are bent you do realize that your structure is completely off balance and it easily if someone wants to come out of someone was to come out of the woodwork and just give you a big shove you would be thrown off balance and possibly fall to the ground. What is the problem with that? 
one, the enemy has gotten the drop on you. You're literally dropping to the ground or you're stumbling to the ground. You lost your target. You lost sight of the target. No longer is there any accuracy or anything for you to drive rounds down range effectively because you're about to hit the ground, right? And this stance was made popular probably like in the beginning of the GWAT era. And for those of you that don't know what GWAT means, it's literally the global war on terror. So this is when we invaded Afghanistan, you know, and right after we went into Iraq. And all these men were holding their guns by the grip or by the AR magwell. And even though they had a front grip, they were still holding it with like by the magwell and they were shooting like in this retarded position. You know, there's a lot of stances out there that can work for you and they've been modernized. There's more technique to them. You know, like I said, there's only so many ways for you to hold your actual pistol. There's only so many ways for you to hold your AR. There's only so many ways to shoot it. But if you're adapting yourself into these retarded stances that are portrayed on the mainstream media or social media, and it's not being taught by someone credible, you're going to have a hard time. And as far as it goes with that stance that I'm picking on right now, uh, you guys have to realize that it was actually retired and was proven to never work because it wasn't an effective way to maneuver when in combat. The grip wasn't effective because you couldn't manipulate your rifle in such close environments or when you were fighting in from long range, you know? Um, so there's a lot of improvements that have came out since then, you know? And all these improvements are for recoil management, how to hold your weapon effectively to, you know, make sure you're driving the accuracy down range and how to manipulate your firearm when you're moving. And that's just extremely important. Now, of course, that goes without saying that your grip is also important, correct? I think everyone that's listening can agree that if you don't grip your firearm correctly, it can easily be snatched off your hands and they can use it to beat the crap out of you or possibly kill you. So, like I said, there are only so many ways to grip your firearm, but what matters is maintaining the grip while absorbing the recoil and maintaining accuracy on the target while firing consistent shots. And there are many photos online where you have guys, even in the military, that are firing their pistol and it's doing like this dumb donkey kick recoil absorption. Like, that's what the user is doing. You know, you see it and you see the gun come up like about, I don't know, maybe like half an inch up into the air. Both hands, support hand, you know, and master grip hand come up to absorb the recoil and then they come back on target like super quick and they fire again. And many people are going to argue with me right now and they're privacy in their living rooms or wherever the hell they're listening to this podcast and say well you know it's effective you know you still get the shots on targets bro true you still get the shots on targets but the problem is that you're now driving the gun upwards you know and you're driving it like almost in an extreme point where you need to drive it back down and this goes back into the lazy gun owners because i know a lot of you lazy owners are going to be trying to argue with me and it's fun because i love destroying you guys on the spot you're telling me that with your lack of training, right? I'm not saying you train because I'm, you're one of those lazy owners. With your lack of training, 
you're gonna drive the gun back down exactly and hit the exact same spot. You're telling me your grouping is gonna be tighter than a butthole, right? And I'm not saying a loose butthole, I'm saying a brand new butthole. Is it gonna be tighter than that? I highly doubt it, buddy. I really doubt it. And not only that, but if you're driving up the gun, think about the time that's taking you to come back down, reacquire the target, and open fire again. You get what I'm saying? We're not talking about a target that's from here to 20 feet away from me where it doesn't matter if I'm, you know, going to close it in. The point is to take down the target, right, before it rushes me. I'm speaking about a target that's downrange. You're actually telling me that you're going to be able to make that tight grouping? I don't think so, buddy. I don't think so. I don't think so. Not only that, but if there's someone else on the opposite side, where the guy that's receiving that incoming fire from you if he's able to maintain that grip maintain his grip as tight as fuck drive that gun steady and pop three shots consistently faster than you as you have adopted that stupid donkey kick recoil absorption program i'm pretty sure you're going to be the one dead and i'm certain you're going to be the one dead you're going to be the one that's going to get shot first you might get one shot on the guy but i'm pretty sure if you fire three consistently they're all dead on target you're done. You're going to be the first one to perish in that gunfight. You know? <laughs> and also, you have to remember, guys, that the main reason why your grip really matters is because that instrument that you're holding in your hands, whether it be a rifle, shotgun, pistol, knife, taser, uh, pepper spray, bear spray, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is that you're using to defend your life, it's a life-saving instrument. That's what you guys need to get drill deeply into your head. You get what I'm saying? And I know I mentioned this before in volume two, but you have to understand that if it didn't matter how you gripped your firearm, then you can do some sort of like stupid grip and your shot placement wouldn't suffer. You know, but that's not the reality of things because that stupid grip won't work. Your shot placement would be garbage. And I'm sure your opponent would take it away from you, beat the living crap out of you, and kill you. Or maybe just kill you. And then he probably goes on to proceed to raping your wife and kids or whatever. So like I'm saying, learn to grip your firearms. Grip that thing tight as you can and hold it on for dear life. Because that instrument will decide if you live or die if someone wants to rip them off your hands. Um... So another thing, uh, somebody asked me at work, what are your own training tips uh, besides, you know, what you're actually have already written about? Well, the first things first, I don't want you guys to think that I'm trying to train you. I'm not. This is merely a discussion. This is something that I've seen in the California uh, firearm community that I'm kind of tired of seeing. All right. So I'm actually trying to contribute to the community in some form of way. Rather than being your buddies at work that just talk all this crap and they don't do anything about it. You know, it's like you say, well, you know, the Springfield Hellcat is tighter than the P365XL, bro. And I like it. And you know what? It, it shoots people like 20 times. It's like, well, that's all you said. But what are you really bringing to the table? You know, you're not bringing any constructive criticism to the table. You're not bringing any real solutions. And that's what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to bring solutions to the table. Things that need to change in the culture rather than spend ourselves 
just thinking we're Billy Badasses and, you know, just owning a firearm makes us supreme. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's just like anything else in the world. If you don't practice, if you don't train enough, you're not going to get anywhere, even if you own the equipment. You're like a bunch of those kids that, you know, those rice burners and those um, supercharger uh, kids that think because they have a Dodge Challenger, they're going to be able to beat the crap out of a finely tuned STI. And I know I'm opening up a whole can of worms here and everybody's going to start getting into it. But I can tell you from building my Subaru WRX, 2002 Subaru WRX, that I fully built, I've destroyed more Challengers in the lifetime that I've owned that car than any other car before I got really serious into it. You get what I'm saying? You can't be those stupid guys that just slaps on a muffler, slaps on an intake, slaps on the whole exhaust system, tunes it, I don't know for what, and then you're driving down the street at 100 miles an hour thinking you're top king. Like, what are you really offering? You've proven your bucket can go fast in a straight line. What about on the mountains? How's your suspension going to handle that? How are your brakes going to handle the downhill? You get what I'm saying? I'm really, uh, for you guys who don't know, I'm a big guy in the toe. I'm really big on it. Uh, I recently sold my car because now I'm a family man. But, uh, you know, and I have an SUV now, and I'm super having a bunch of fun with it, even though gas is up the ass in prices, but I'm enjoying it. But here's the thing. There's a lot of guys that I've seen bring up all these high-end cars with zero driving ability behind it. You get what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't matter. You can buy a Daniel Defense DDDM V4 and show it off to your friends and be like, look, I got this. It's all Daniel Defense, blah, blah, blah. But what the fuck are you going to do with it, bro? Where's your training be to back up the real the reliability, the quality, the exquisite, exotic features of this Daniel Defense rifle in comparison to your piece of shit garbage? I can barely fire in a straight line and my grouping looks like I shot 12 bucks or buckshot from like 1,200 yards. Where's your, or what? You get what I'm saying? It's like, dude, you're going to do more damage to that gun than you're going to do damage on the range. And, and a lot of people are like that. You know, another thing that really pisses me off, and I can say this because some of my coworkers might listen to it, but if it is, it, I'm talking about you, bro, is people that tell me, if your optic costs more than your gun, bro, you're stupid. No, bitch. My optic costs more than my gun is because I'm actually putting the money into my gun to match my optic because I want that reliability. And I'm actually trying to expand my horizons. Why the fuck would I want a $50 sight mark target that I'm going to have to purchase like a year into the road? You get what I'm saying? It's like, like I said, I'm really trying to change the culture in California. I'm really trying to bring that coalition of firearms enthusiasts and gun buying owners into existence and we can drive the state into a better future for us you know but I can't do it without pointing out those ugly features or, or those ugly parts of the culture I have to point on them I have to pick on you guys you get what I'm saying um, like I said it's extremely it's an extremely toxic culture that exists that I'm trying to get rid of. And hopefully this podcast will get the discussion ball rolling. I'm not trying to train you. I'm trying to put our pointers out there. 
where you guys can think about it and get that thinking ball rolling. Be like, you know what? He's right. We should do this. I should do that as a user. I should improve this way. I should improve that way. You know what? My mind does need to change. I do need to learn how to shoot effectively. You know what? I need to stop being a little bitch and realize that I'm going to have to kill someone at some point if they break into my house. And you know what? I'm going to start training my mindset. And you know what? I might make that $500 jump, buy a slide, buy UTM ammunition rounds, put a black, put up a back plates on my fucking tar paper targets and go shoot my UTMs. It's all about how bad you want it and how bad you want to train. One thing that happened to us right as I stared at the, at the scoreboard on the fourth quarter as we lost our fucking CIF championship, I kept hearing in the back my coach. Rest in peace. My coach was out there already in the heavens. He was a great man. But the one thing that always stuck in my head about him was that those who really want it will get it because they'll train hard enough to take it from you. And it's true. It's true. If you don't put in the time, if you don't train effectively, really what the fuck are you bringing to the table? Besides your stupid like criticism, your stupid memes, what, you think you're cool because you make memes about people who talk shit or try to put you down because you're garbage as a shooter? No one owes you shit in this life. And to my listeners that have their kids listening, let that stick into their head. No one owes you shit. But every shit that I've earned, you're damn straight. You're damn fucking right. That I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure some fucking loser doesn't take it away from me. Because I don't owe them shit for them to take it. The only thing they're going to get, like they said, they have a lead deficiency... I got the vaccine for them. Take your round pick. 223, 9 mil, 6.5 Rendell. I'll send you really nice and warm to go to bed. Nice warm little hollow tips into your ass. And shit, if it comes to hollow tips, I already sent flowers to your funeral. Get what I'm saying? But anyways, coming back onto this point. One tip that I can give you guys is that Make sure you do your research on what you're buying. Um, when it comes to me, if I have time to put on my plate carriers, either one of them, I have a few, I know that I have the gear behind it. I have those plates that I bought because they're top tier. If I have time to throw on my, buck, my brain bucket, I throw on a helmet that I rely my life on. And some of you are going to say, well, yeah, you know, I buy hard-headed hard veterans. And, you know, this is my own personal opinion. I'm not saying it's fact. I've heard and I've read a lot about them being garbage. I'm not buying them. If you guys want to put your money on that, that's on you guys. Um, but I use Gentex. And if you know Gentex, you know OpsCore. And Revision. Or 3M Ceridine. 3M Ceridine has actually provided a lot of the helmets to the USMC, right? The Marine Corps, the boys rock those uh, 3Ms. And I can tell you that because I've bought a lot of high cuts from former Marines in the used marketplace, and they're all 3Ms. They're all 3M Ceridines. They come with like the Marpac covers. Um, Revision is now part of the US military or part of the US Army. But most of my Gentex I've gotten from guys either in the Air Force 
or in the army. That's it. But Revision now makes everything for the U.S. Army. I guess they won the contract for them. So, yeah, just like SIG won the contract for the M17 um, pistol, right? Uh, as far as it goes for gear, I'm not really big on that. We're going to get on into that in the next episode. I believe it's going to be the gear one. Uh, I haven't written it. I haven't even started working on it. I know it's a week away. But, you know, usually I work on it because I already have all, all the information really set up for it. Um, but everything that I use is I back it up with the current usage of it globally, you know, not just here in the in the U.S., but on, on a global spectrum. So every gear that I have is set to go. It's Gucci gear, as it's referred to in the market. It's Gucci gear. Even my rifle, my AR that I've built, my ARs that I've built. They're Gucci, but once again, quality over quantity. I have high-end optics. You know, for you cheap fucks, you're not going to like my gear list because it's nothing but high-end. And here's the thing. Um, I train a lot in my house, as I've said before, right? Everything I do in the daytime, I do it at the nighttime. My wife, at first, was really against it. And I get you guys at home if your wife's against it, but trust me. If your spouse or partner, whoever the fuck is against it, they won't be against it when you've actually trained yourself and you become an excellent uh, master of your craft and you have the meth head or crackhead or group of goons that try to break in that try to break in through your front door all shot up in the house dead on the floor and your wife is still safe and sound with the kids in your guys's bedroom at that point all criticism will end you know she will never say anything again but you have to make her see that you get what I'm saying? And it's it's a discussion that comes between you two and your children. And I understand things change drastically when you have children in the house. You don't want to expose them to guns. I get that. That's fine. That's your own thing. I'm never going to tell you guys how to raise your kids. Um, but I will, you know, make points here and there that this culture, this new youth, it's really fucked up in terms of like entitlement and all this other shit. And that's like a complete different topic for another day. But, yeah, in this topic, uh, you guys really have to learn and talk about that and see what you guys want to do. But you do have to train in your house. That's one thing I always recommend. I will always recommend is training in your house. Now, if you guys go to indoor ranges, I don't really support indoor ranges anymore unless I have to go renew my CCW. Um, that's the only time I'll go to an indoor range. Other than that, I go outdoor. And why? Because an outdoor bay allows me to bring up the car up certain yardage and I can open my doors and execute shooting out of my car from it. Of course, if I had more money or if the guys come along, we usually do it at their places that they know of and we shoot out of cars like these beat up junkyards that they buy for like, uh, well, now it's gotten a little bit more expensive. Now it's like $500 for a broken down car that you're just going to shoot out of. Before it was like $150, $200, you can buy a, a really jacked up car. And you can use that. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm getting at. Like you have to train. Everything that you're going to do, you have to do it both day and night. You have to train in your house. You have to learn. I learn. I'm learning how to shoot out of the car because of the social climate that we experience, you know. I always knew at some point I was going to have to learn how to shoot out of a car. I just didn't expect it to be this soon, you know. Uh, 
also the fact that there's been a lot of car to car shootings and people following each other home and robbing them like dude <laughs> I don't mind shooting through my windshields windshields are easily like you know replaceable I shot through my carbine don't worry about it there's bondo for that you know plug up the hole bondo it and then you know take it to the paint shop or whatever there's always a fix for it what there isn't a fix for it is a $46,000 bill for a single CT scan after you've been through a trauma service encounter at the hospital you know trauma service encounters are like you're easily over like $150,000 in debt just for getting shot once or having a traumatic injury. You know, I can tell you from experience because I hear the doctors talk about it all the time. That's something I'd rather pay for the body damage to the vehicle or a brand new window than, than pay half the what my house is worth in hospital bills. Right? I think all of us are on board on that, especially if you have like some whack-ass insurance. Um, also, if you have Kaiser, stop being little assholes, all right? If you get brought to the wrong hospital, just so you guys know, Kaiser Permanente does not have a single trauma center in Southern California. That's why you're always being taken to other hospitals. Got an issue with that? Petition Kaiser Permanente to actually build trauma centers. So if everybody's on board with that, y'all can stop being a bunch of assholes as you roll in through the ambulance space saying, why the fuck am I not in Kaiser? I fucking hate this place, didn't it? And then being dicks to us while we're trying to save your life. Fuck you. All right. Uh, what else? So it's about, I'm really against when it comes to training is paintball and airsoft. And I'm not saying airsoft doesn't teach you anything, any good qualities. You know, I actually have to agree with Lucas Botkins from um, T-Rex Arms. It does teach you how to communicate, how to move as a team, and how to execute certain crafts that work as a team-based objective. What it doesn't really teach you is the fact that certain walls, certain covers, certain materials don't really bounce bullets off. So if you're learning to take, I don't know, say behind drywall, right? Your team covered behind drywall and they're shooting at you and you're like, oh, he's not getting me. If that was a real 223, that thing would have penetrated right through that wall and hit you. Or hit your buddies. And you guys be en route to a trauma center if you guys hadn't died on scene. And then we're talking about like a 40-minute, 50-minute extend uh, emergent medicine intervention. Of course, you, you probably go to the OR. Now you're looking at the OR. Say it fucked up your colon. Now you got a G, now you got a colon back on your colonostomy, and then you got to go through rehab. Yeah, airsoft doesn't seem as fun anymore, huh? Especially when it's not teaching you any realistic cover options. But it does teach you how to effectively uh, work as a team, and it also does a lot of force-on-force -force training. But like I'm saying, if you really don't know how to take cover, are you really doing anything? Food for thought. I mean, I don't want you guys to come trying to beat me up with your AEGs or your blowback AEGs or your blowback um, airsoft rifles. That's on you guys. Um, but like I'm saying, yeah. And another thing that comes to train, make sure you guys actually find reputable gun clubs that will have night shoes. Um, just because if you're not allowed to train at home, you have to be, you have to learn how to train in the nighttime as well. Like I said in volume two, uh, 
though most things happen at night you know you're asleep people want to get the jump on you so you have to realize that you have to effectively execute your craft in the nighttime if your wife says no I don't want the kids seeing you running around like an idiot LARPing around or if your parents say no then you better look for a gun club that does night shoots and shoot with them and practice there at night I know a lot of you guys are like, well, night shoots are only for guys that own MVGs. Well, MVGs are getting cheaper, so look into that too. AGM Global. There you go. You're welcome. Uh, what else? Also, when it comes to like training, part of your training should also be how to blend in. This is one thing that I was forgetting. I don't know why I was forgetting it. But uh, you have to blend into your environment. And this goes for all the guys that are doing CQ, um, CQC, CCW, sorry, CCW. You guys have to learn how to blend into your environment. Like, okay, so I'm a, sorry if you guys hear this and you guys are from Riverside. There's this class that I, there's this uh, company that teaches you um, CCW fundamentals and actually clears you for your CCW. They're part of the recognized classes for the Riverside, bleh, for the Riverside Sheriff's Department. They're called Right to Bear. Um, so I was at the San Diego Zoo and one of them i don't know if it was an employee or a supporter but this guy was carrying at five o'clock and you gotta be truthful with your shirt size bro i'm sorry man i'm sorry if, if the guy who's hearing this is the guy that, that it's you i'm sorry bro you gotta be true to your shirt size because whatever the fuck you were wearing that day i could see the whole butt of your gun i could see the grip and I could tell you were probably carrying like a Glock or it was either a Glock 19 or a shield because it was like, I'm pretty sure it was a 19 because it was a bulky texture on the grip. And from carrying my SIG, carrying my 19, carrying my FN, I can tell that it's a bulky gun. Also, you're carrying it on your back. You're distracted. You were with another woman who had a child with them. All I see is you getting your ass handed to you and easily getting that gun off your back and shooting you with it. If someone was really willing to. Because A, you're wearing a shirt so tight that I can see your gun. I can tell you're carrying. Not only that, but you wear the stupidest shirt to carry in. You're wearing a CCW instructing institution shirt that gives it away that you are possibly carrying a firearm. Now, why though? Fuck people do this? I don't know. It really pisses me off when I see people carrying all, like wearing all this tactical clothing brands on them. It's like, dude, if I really was planning on a mass shooting, I would shoot you first because you're giving off the vibes that I carry. I'm a tough guy. Ooh, I have a gun on me. Like people don't really grip that concept or grasp that concept into their head. Like, dude, I don't give a fuck if... Oh, I support the brand. Okay, I get that. I get that. You, you support the brand. Trust me. I get that. But why the hell are you wearing the shirt in public and carrying your firearm at the same time? You get what I'm saying? Like, I wear... I don't know. I wear Patagonia and blank shirts from Target. Goodfellow. Goodfellow, if you want to sponsor me, I'm all down. All right. So... That's all I wear. I wear like Goodfellow blanks. I wear my jeans, either Goodfellows or Levi's. 
you know, because I support good brands, you know, good quality brands. And for shoes, I wear Vans or Converse. What I don't wear is Nine Line, Grunt Style, um, CCW, Till Valhalla. Oh, God, no, why did I say that? Oh, Jesus. Okay, so if you guys wear Till Valhalla, make sure you guys are Nordic. Alright, because it really sets me off that I see all these people wearing to Valhalla and you guys are like, I don't know, Catholics. You guys do realize that Nordics is an actual, being a Nordic, it means you're religiously Nordic. You're, oh, well, my uh, 23 and me test says I'm like, uh, I'm 10% Nordic. I'm from Sweden, Valhalla, bro. No, bro. Stop. Stop. Seriously, stop. I don't know why the hell you guys wear those shirts. Like, I see all these people wearing them. And I'm like, fuck no, dude. There's no way you're Nordic. You look more Native American than I do. You get what I'm saying? It's it's just like part of this whole badass, I'm a tough guy scene. That, that, quote, that shit needs to end, dude. Because if you guys saw me in public, you guys wouldn't even recognize me as like carrying a CCW unless you know me. But other than that, nobody knows me. I'm, I look like a regular fucking Joe. You know, I'm just wearing a blank shirt. I look like I used to skate in my past life, you know, some like, you know, jeans, beat up vans, because I still skate in my vans, you know? The most you guys think I would carry was probably like a pocket knife, but none of you guys would know I'd carry a gun. You get what I'm saying? And that's what I'm getting at. It's like, I don't get, part of your training is to be Conceal carrying. I don't really think you're conceal carrying if I can tell where your gun is. If you're wearing all this tactical hype beast clothing. Like really, dude? Like fuck, man. You guys are you guys are something else. And that's what I'm saying. This cult this culture is very toxic in many ways. And I'm trying to change that. Like I get it, you know, you wear tactical hiking boots and all that. If you live in Big Bear, you live out in the wilderness or you live anywhere, any mountain town. I get that. That might be the norm. You know, I know a lot of guys are Rock Solomons, but they live in like Arrowhead, you know, or they live out in the high desert. What is that place called? Jesus Christ, why the hell is it escaping my mouth? It's not Fallbrook. But some people at Fallbrook and Fallbrook wear that. People in Paula, you know. People out in like the hills of Temecula wear stuff like that because it's considered like the wilderness area uh, to a certain extent, right? Out in Palomar and all that. But you guys live in Riverside or you guys live in San Bernardino or you guys live in Rancho Cucamonga or you guys live next to REI. Why? Because you live next to REI, you have to dress like you're in the wilderness? Dude, shut up. Stop coming up with these lame excuses of trying to look, oh yeah, I'm hypebeast, tier one operator, bro. You're like 400 pounds. Chill. We know you never served. All right. Um, and I get some people wear stuff to support the military, and that's great. You know, I saw, I used to wear my uh, buddy's jacket, his BDU jacket, because he was deployed. You know, that was the only way I could show support. I mean, you know, I, I always hung out. We grew up close. We were good friends. So that's how I would support him out there. You know, of course, like I send like a care package here and there. But like I'm saying... It's a different thing when you support and it's a different thing when it's a different, completely different thing when you're trying to look the part and you're trying to intentionally like if you're trying to give the vibes that you're a badass, like, dude, you're not looking tough. You're looking like a fucking target to a mass shooter. 
Don't you think mass shooters are up on game now? Don't they know that Riverside County, San Bernardino County are some of the biggest CCW issuing counties in the state of California? Come on. Get it through your head, dude. If it's, if it's known to the general public, it's known to a mass shooter. And the point of training is to make sure you're ready for the unexpected. So you got to keep them guessing. That's part of your training. Now we're not only concealing the fact that we're carrying firearms, we got to conceal the fact that we know we carry firearms. We don't want people to know we carry firearms. That's how you lose. And that also goes to all the dumbasses that have all these like six hour stickers. Don't threat on me, bro. God sent flags. Yeah, I get it. It's your, it's your right to express yourself. But at the same time, don't cry when they come up on you and you're not prepared. Get what I'm saying? Like, all you're doing is advertising, I have guns in my house. Some people are not scared. Just because you say, oh, I have guns in my house. I don't care. You have guns in your house? Okay, I'm pretty sure you're like 300 pounds. You probably don't shoot. Let's cut your power and let's see how you operate in the nighttime. Get what I'm saying? It's like, Jesus, dude, be a little bit more smart about how you carry yourself when carrying. Or when even owning firearms. Like, you look at me, you wouldn't guess I carry firearms. You wouldn't know I carry firearms unless you knew me personally. And that's the point. You don't want the average Joe on the street to know you are armed up either at home, on your person, or possibly in your car. Because I know a lot of idiots that just throw guns in the cars without safes or any type of like lock container that can't be extracted out of the vehicle. Um, but yes uh, going back to everything else I will get more in debt into gear on the following episode for this episode as far as it goes for training that's all I really gotta say I'm not trying to train you guys this is not a training seminar this is more of like opening the questioning ball to it and you guys are more than welcome to reach me at any time whether rain or snow, holiday or weekend, at alexfdpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, Alex, F is in David, D, I'm sorry, F is in Frank, D is in David, podcast at gmail.com. Uh, that's all I have for you guys today. I hope it gets a lot of discussion rolling. If you're out there with your buddies listening to the podcast, thank you for tuning in, guys, supporting it. I love y'all, and I'm sorry for picking on y'all. And if I hurt your guys' feelings, there's some cortisone in one of the aisles in Walmart. Make sure you buy lots of it because I'm going to keep doing it as we go on in the episodes. To everybody else, hope you guys have a good night, have a good weekend, and I'll see you guys on the next one.